Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. I'm Brian Wren, and it's a gift and a pleasure uh, to be your transition lead pastor. And today, we are in uh, the fourth week of our series uh, called Our Core Values. Uh, Together we are PCC, our core values. And you can see our core values over here to your right, my left. And this week, uh, we are focusing on the third value, which is relate well. Uh, We've talked about live the word. We've talked about share Jesus. And today, we talk about relate well. Those who have been with us for a while, we've had these core values for, oh, uh, almost 15 years And we've changed the wording at times, but for those who've been with us for a while, you might remember as practicing healthy relationships. But we thought at this season, make it simpler, more concise, more specific. Hey, let's hold a value of just relating well. Doesn't that sound good? Let's relate well. And it's interesting, this whole relating well thing makes me think of uh, people connected together. And then it made me think of people connected together with rope. So just go with me on that for a little bit. That there's something about relating well and being connected together. And it made me first, the first thing that came up was uh, the visual of preschool kids. Have you ever seen them on the walking rope line? They relate well when they're on this line. Let them release the line, good luck taking them across the bridge. All right, it turns into chaos. How about this next picture? These guys need to relate well, all right? If they don't relate well and they don't communicate well, there's going to be a problem, isn't there? That made me start to think of my family. And my family's gotten into rock climbing. All my kids, I have four kids. I never cared if they got into rock climbing, I was never eager to join them in rock climbing because I don't like to climb up places and risk my life. Does anybody else agree with that? And so this would be a similar scene in my new venture in rock climbing that I try to avoid most often with my kids. But my son will be down below and he'll be like, go, dad, go, go. Come on, dad, get as high as you can get. And I'm like, I'm only going up to there and then I'm coming down. They'd be like, no, no, go to the top. No, I'm not going to the top. I'm 53, I'd rather live. This isn't something I need to solve or accomplish. I'd be coming down sooner than later. But as we go up, I find whether he's holding the rope or not dictates whether we're relating well in the moment. And often you'll find me on that wall looking down. Hey, you holding the rope? Hey, you holding the rope? And he'd be like, I got the rope. You know, and then I'm wondering if he's looking around while he's holding the rope. And I know I'm belayed and there's a safety mechanism. But I am 10 plus feet up and I'm a bit concerned about living. And so I'm concerned if he's holding the rope. And he usually does a great job of that. But I have insecurities about being up that high and that causes my tension. It leads us to our big idea today is this. I believe when we relate well to each other, we hold the rope of relationship well. You ever been to the gym and you see people doing this with the ropes? They got the big thick ropes and they're causing a lot of chaos and tension and that's to work out. But I don't want my rope of relationship held like that. 
I want my rope of relationship to be two of us that there's, there's some strength between us. We're connected. I care about this person, they care about me, and we are one in relationship. Can you relate to this? I don't need this in there. I don't need someone to cut it. I don't need someone to drop the rope, okay? I like when we're both holding the rope and we are working together and heading in a direction. And it's interesting. I believe more than ever, we need to relate well together. Can you agree with that? Think of the tensions that are out there. Politics, COVID views, all right? What else is out there? There's a zillion things that to be divided on. Race issues, you name it. But in the end, we need to be together more than ever. And then how about this? I believe when we are actually together and we are connected with each other and we relate well to each other, here's what happens. We actually usher in the kingdom of God. And you know what it does? it pushes out the evil on earth. Did you hear that? When we relate well together, it ushers in the kingdom of God, all the goodness of the kingdom of God. But when this is in turbulence, this is where the earthly evil, but if we can relate well together, we can push out the evil. And don't we need that more than ever? I think we need that more than ever. I don't think we realize how much power we have to relate well, and then how powerfully God wants to help us relate well. Because here's what happens. Oftentimes in my relationships, where we get stuck is, I don't rely on God's power to come into this and relate well. I just rely on my power. So you know where that usually stops? It stops with what? My feelings, my preference, and we don't move forward and we don't make a movement that's great for the kingdom. We just become earthly people doing it. Today, I want to show you different ways of relating well and see the power that it had. And then I want to give you four practical ways that you can relate well. We've been in the book of Acts and we've been looking at how the book of Acts relates to our values. And I want you to see here, and I'm going to ask you to open up your Bible to chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Get it on your phone. Open it up in the pubic. Let's do this. Let's go on a journey about what it means to relate well. It's interesting. I see Autumn and her family here, and we'll introduce them a little later. But it makes me think about Autumn and her family here. When her and her husband are relating well together, people in Ghana, where she's serving, see the kingdom of God come alive. And when she partners with other people in Ghana and they relate well together, you know what happens? They see a movement of God happening. And that's what I want to show you in the book of Acts today. When, when partners related well, there became this growing movement and more people at it. Because here's what I know. When we see people relate well, we want in on that. We want in on that. It's like a magnet that draws us. When we see people don't relate well, we're like, ooh, mom and dad are angry. Let's go this way. Anybody relate to that? So let's pick it up in chapter 9 in the book of Acts and none of these are going to be on the screen, so I'm going to walk you through a bunch. So join in here. Does anybody have a pew Bible out? And if someone has a pew Bible, shout out the page number, Acts 9, verse 27. What's it on? 1100. 1100. It's a great place to start the Bible, page 1100. Let's start there. So in Acts 9, 27, look what it says. Acts 9, 27. But Barnabas took him, him being Saul, 
and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Let me give you context. Here's what's going on here. Paul, this end of the rope, he has become a new believer. He's a mentee. He's a, what I call a downline. Barnabas has come in and said, oh, we got a new guy. This guy's fired up for the Lord. As we know, the story was this, all right? His name is Saul. His name gets changed to Paul when he starts living well for the Lord. But as Saul, he's a newbie, all right? He's a downline, all right? And Barnabas has come in and said, oh, this guy is for real. I'm going to move forward with him. And so what's he do? So Saul stayed with them and moved freely, verse 28, in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to what? Tarsus. Then the church through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Spirit and increased in numbers. Relating well, people jumped on board. I have a slide that details this that I want you to see here that Paul, Saul was a downline and you at times are the mentee and you need an upline. We've all had a scenario in this, haven't we? Where we need someone to come in and help us change our life together. And Paul is the one here. He's, got, he's a newbie to this. He needs someone to come around him. I love in the Old Testament, there's a story of Naomi and Ruth Ruth was a downline to uh, Naomi, the upline. And Ruth learned, and Ruth's life was changed by the guidance she received. Just think in your head right now, when you've been a mentee, when someone came alongside you, or think right now, where do you need to be a mentee? Where, where are you a downline in life and you need an upline? I've been a total downliner right now throughout this whole transition period. This is my first gig as a transition pastor. So you know what I did? I went and found a guy who had been a transition pastor 10 times. And I call him up a lot. Hey, I got a stakeholder meeting this week. What would you say? Hey, I'm in this situation with Steph. What would you do? I, we need down, as a downline, we need uplines in our life. We're better together, there'll be a greater movement. Look at this next scenario. Jump to Acts 15, verse 40. In Acts 15, verse 40, and well, actually, uh, it says, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And they went on to speak and create and encourage other churches. So now you have this. Paul, after, this is multiple years. Remember, Barnabas was his upline. He was the downline. It was the, it was the mentor and the mentee. Here's what happens now. Paul strengthened. Paul able to go on his own. Paul ready to go out in journey. And here's what happens. He picks up Silas. And this movement goes and encourages and encourages and grows and grows the church. It's a movement that other people want a part of. They're able to do courageous endeavors because why? They do it together. Here's a line for you. Isolation leads to lies. Togetherness leads to living out the truth. 
Will you hold that and claim that right now? Isolation leads to lies. We all know this. Lay in your bed long enough and start thinking your own thoughts. I get crazy. Anybody else agree? Am I the only crazy one? And I'm especially crazy at about 4.30 in the morning because I naturally wake up and I have to go to the bathroom and I come back and that was too much information, but you are just like me and I am just like you, right? And at 4.30, 4.40 a.m., I can get nuts unless I come back and you know where I find my, my line at 4.30 a.m.? I have to go to my upline to the Lord because I'm in a down low position and I have to give him the anxiety in my heart. Can anybody else relate? But Paul and Silas go together and they're like Mary and Martha and the, you know, in the other settings and they're able to accomplish great things. Who is your Silas? Who, in this scenario, do you need to partner with? This could be at work. This could be better at your home. Like spouses, this, you, you, know, you are two people that need to be on the same line in order to accomplish great good, you know? Who's the friend that just needs to come alongside you? Who do you need to come alongside and be on the same line with them to help them get through? Great movements happen. You'll live into the truth more if you do. Look at this next part. Just jump down a few passages to verses 16, chapter 16, verse 4. It says just before there in 16.1, Paul came to Derby and then the Lynstra where a disciple named Timothy lived. Well, here's what happened by verse 4. As they traveled from town to town, so Paul picks up who Timothy, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for people to obey. So the church was what? Strengthened in faith and did what? Grew in numbers. So now we come to the famous and well-known downline and upline of who? Paul and Timothy. See, it's gone from this, Barnabas and Paul, it's gone Silas and Paul, and now what's it gone to? Paul is now the one mentoring. And Timothy goes on to be one of the best church planners and goes on to write other books in the Bible along with Paul because of that mentorship and because he had a great mom of faith who was his what? Upline. Remember, isolation will lead us what? Into the lies, and we'll swirl, but... When we're together with another, oh, we'll live out the truth in ways we probably could never have, have could never have done this. I've seen this when our, with our men's and women's mentoring and coaching initiative at PCC. We've been matching up people over the last three plus years, uh, men and women, you know, men on men, women on women. And what's amazing, you know, the men tackle issues like their job situation, their relationships they're in, their purity, their finances, their lack of ability to communicate. But when an upline and a downline get together, it kind of in often cases turns into the same line. They just become buddies and friends. That makes sense? Isn't that interesting? It'll often go like that. It'll bring us back to same line. And here's what happens. Men's lives are changed. Proverbs tells us, iron sharpens iron. And then it's been the same with women. 
It's been the same with women. Here, this one scenario from a younger woman who was a downline to an older woman. Here's what she says. During the transition of my starting nursing school and getting married, PCC's women's mentoring provided the connection point for me to meet a most wonderful, mature, and wise woman of faith with whom I've experienced the person of Jesus and discussed the ways he's moving in my life. Carol encourages me, but also challenges me, holds me accountable, and strengthens my faith, faith, always reminding me to what? Jump into the arms of Jesus. Into the truths, into what his movement is. It's interesting, Carol, supposedly, you know, the upline, says this, I've been so blessed beyond measure by Nicole's challenging questions. Because Carol's got to figure out the answers, you know, and go, Lord, what do I tell this girl? She's asking me stuff I'm wrestling with. And our resulting answers. But hear this part. Our prayer times continue to strengthen my soul. There's an upline being encouraged by a downline. They're doing life together on the same line. That's what we want at PCC. So ponder, where are you right now? Is God potentially saying, hey, I'd love to be somebody's uh, upline? Or maybe you need somebody and you're saying, I, I, I want to be a mentee. I want someone to teach me. I'm, I'm the downline right now. Maybe you're like, I just need someone to come alongside me. I don't know if I'm up or down. I just need somebody beside me. Can you relate to that? You can go to our website, go to the men's or women's page, sign up for that. You can go to our Stephen's ministry page because in the end, Stephen's ministry is about somebody coming alongside you and just carrying your burden in that way. But how about this? Sometimes it doesn't seem to fit on the line. I just bump into people. I don't know if they're upline, my downline, or what. I call these people my offline. These are the people that are different than you. They're strangers. They don't operate in your same boxes. That could be for a lot of reasons. But here's what I know. Paul, the king of relationship here, I've just showed you his three different relationships. If you go to Hebrews and take a big leap in your Bible and go to Hebrews, I want you to go to chapter 13, verses two. This is a passage I wrestle with. How, Lord, am I supposed to do this? Hebrews 13, two. 13.2, 13.3 will get you there. In 13.2, it says this, do not forget to show hospitality to who? Strangers. We need to care for those who are not like us. We need to be concerned. We need to be in relationship with them. This pushes us. This stretches us. It's too easy to want to be around people just like us. But it says show hospitality to strangers. This whole thing can be a wrestle. God, who do you want me to be around? God, do I have time? Do I have time to be in any of these relationships, let alone to a stranger? Well, I think when we're following the Holy Spirit, we will. But we gotta wrestle with making sure this is part of our life. And that's why we're bringing our values, just to cause us to wrestle, become aware, and to step into where God is calling us to. Let me give you four practices to help us relate well. And these are useful anywhere. 
And I really hope this helps you. And I've given you a simple acronym, so I hope you never forget these four words I'm about to give you. It's as simple as remembering the word help, all right? In any situation, in order for us to relate well, it always starts with humility. We have to come with, I'm coming second to this person who is before me. I'm not coming with my agenda. I'm coming because I'm a human being and they're a human being. It's interesting, in Philippians 2, 3 to 5, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do not look to your own interest, but each of you should look to the interest of others. And then here's the ultimate tough wrestling line. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So the ultimate challenge is to come and just be in care for a person and be humble about it. Look at this next thing, is to have empathy. Galatians 1 to 2 gets you into this whole thing that says this, carry each other's burdens. You know what sympathy is? Sympathy is when I see my brother or sister struggling, it's like, wow, that looks really hard. Empathy is I go down and I get in it with them and go, hey, I'll come alongside you. I will do this with you. Look at this next piece. Listening. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. This is a fantastic one for how we should handle social media, shouldn't we? It is not good for us as a community to get in these angry rampages with people online. I would suggest you would wade in, acknowledge what other people think, and then convey graciously what you think. Always wanting to hold the line of relationship as opposed to take the rope and hit them with it or cut the line. Are you with me? I really want to call us out on our social media presence and how we handle ourselves. Are you operating in humility, in empathy, in listening? And then finally, in peacemaking. Are you operating in peacemaking where I'm, it says, attempt to keep the peace at all times in that Ephesians passion, passage. How about this? Are we operating with grace while we're sharing the truth? Are we people of forgiveness and willing to forgive and not hold grudges against people? These are challenging things, but I want you to write these words down and wrestle and take them to the Lord and then continue to grow in them because that's, that's why we have values. They're aspirations we grow into, but we can only do it with the Lord. I want to give you two helpful words right here. See where it says win and options? Here's what I mean by that. The easiest way to share how you feel about something with somebody else if they've hurt you would be this, is to give them a win statement. So it would go like this. Hey, when you do that, that's W, I feel, and you explain, hey, next time could you do this? So like if I'm at a house and somebody's frustrated with me, a nice way they could say to me, hey, I thought you were doing the dishes. Okay, so the dishes don't get done. Somebody could say this to me. This would be the healthiest way to say it. Hey, when you don't do the dishes, I feel like you're not following through with what you're supposed to and not 
doing your part. Next time, could you do the dishes before tomorrow morning? That's the nice way to say it, isn't it? As opposed to, what are you doing the dishes? What's wrong with you? You never do the dishes. You're so lazy. And we know it gets meaner than that, don't you? We know. And the rope just gets cut, or we hit them with the rope. So when you, I feel, hey, next time could you? How about this options piece? Ever get in this dilemma where you're on the rope and there's tension around, what are we going to do? Well, the easiest thing to talk about is options. Wow. You want to do this. I want to do that. Hmm. We got some tension on our rope, don't we? The best thing to say there is, what are our different options? And brainstorm different options, as opposed to what? Fight for your side. What are our different options? I want you to hold, those are two gifts I give you today, the win statement, and what are our different options? God yearns for us to be people who are humble, who are empathetic, who are listening, and who are peacemakers. As we close out today, I want you to realize this. When we relate well, we reflect Jesus to the world. And that shows we care well. And when we become a person that operates in that manner, here's what happens. We all grow well. We all persevere well because we have people around us to make it through the toughest times. We actually figure out how to reconcile well. And then things around us are transformed well. And the kingdom of God is expanded greater and greater in ways that we could ever imagine. Go back to Paul. Those relationships expanded the kingdom. It was a movement that people wanted to be a part of. It is the same with us. When I go back to this concept of rope and string and things connecting us together, it reminds me of our journey 20 years ago. Recently, I just published a book called A Short Walk with Emma, and it's about our journey, our journey with PCC, our journey as a family and the lessons that we've learned. When you step back from that book and you read about it and the names of, and it's not the faces, but the names of many PCCers in there because they related so well to us. And at times we had, because we were the downline throughout this journey with our daughter where she was born with uh, not a lower left ventricle and over three surgeries over two and a half years, she ends up dying. This is back in, from 1999 to 01. But we were the downline, and we needed many upline mentors during that season, and we needed many sideline participants during that season. And it was remarkable. I always say we were pulled through that season and prayed through that season, and in essence, tied together with a community that got us through that season with the help of God. And we're changed because of it. The, the, the sting of death turned into sweetness and turned into the beauty of a community relating well, so well with us that we are well. That's the power of relating well. And what was most remarkable was during that journey, there was a time where people didn't take ropes and strings and we didn't all connect together formally, but somebody came up with the idea of pink yarn. 
And so at one point, multiple PCCers were, had pink yarn right around their wrist in a little bracelet form. And it was over that two and a half year period, I would see pink yarn and pink yarn and pink yarn. And the irony was this, Emma died in September of 01, uh, three days before 9-11, at two, and a, two years and four months. And so it was months later, it was six months later, it was the new year, it was 2002, there was an older gentleman in our community that walked up to me one day and he says, hey, he pulls his <laughs> sport coat back, pulls his sleeve back and he's like, hey, do you see this? And I said, why are you still wearing that? In essence, I want to say, why are you still wearing that? My daughter died. And I didn't say that fully. I said, why are you still wearing that? And he says, hey, in his gruff voice, I'm not cutting this, this off till it falls off since your family will forever be in our prayers. Folks, that is relating well. And if you think about what we probably needed in the next five years after her death was prayer. To have salve for our souls. So as we go today, here's what I want you to know. When we relate well, we hold the rope of relationship well. How is God asking you to hold this rope? Where is your position he wants you to be? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your goodness. And we acknowledge, God, that you're the ultimate person of relationship. And we thank you that we can come in relationship with you through Christ. If there's anybody questioning whether or not they can be in relationship with you, God. May they realize it's as simple as just acknowledging your son's death and resurrection and then committing to the Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us to not live in isolation, but to find our place on this line so that, Lord, we can experience the fullness of life. Lord, speak to us now. How do you want us to live differently as a result of this message today, as a result of seeing the movement of people together as we have in the book of Acts? So lead us, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.